Welcome to the IEEE Quantum Podcast Series, an IEEE Future Directions Digital Studio production. This podcast series informs on the landscape of the quantum ecosystem and highlights projects and activities on quantum technology. This episode features Terrell Franz from Harrisburg University, discussing the importance of education and workforce development as it pertains to advancing quantum technology. Professor Franz discusses the challenges universities face in launching and promoting quantum-based curriculum, the development of a quantum vocabulary for socializing concepts and initiatives, and how online events can help drive further interest and activities for those individuals wanting to explore the quantum ecosystem. Terrell, thank you for taking some time to contribute to the IEEE podcast series. Can you share how you became specialized in workforce development for quantum technology? Well, uh, I started out in cybersecurity around two years ago when I returned to the United States. And uh, quantum computing through Shor's algorithm found me in the cybersecurity space uh, and the way that Shor's algorithm can potentially break RSA encryption. I, I fell into asking questions about that, how could that be, et cetera. And it really found me. Uh, then I decided when I looked at all the potential that quantum computing has and, and the fact that it's a relatively new field, at least in this day and age, it's, it's actually quantum is 100 years old. Um, I really found it quite fascinating and interesting. And so personally, I, I moved away from classical computing, which I've been doing for 46 years and cybersecurity into the quantum field somewhere around 18, 19 months ago. And when I was starting to pivot over into quantum, essentially uh, I did a, a SWOT analysis, something you'll learn in business school, where you sit back and assess your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And I looked at what I was good at, what I like to do, and I looked at what our university is good at and what we're what we're oriented towards. And, uh, you know, quantum computing really fit the mold in, in, uh, in particular when it comes to workforce development in quantum computing. It really, you know, yelled out for our strengths and, uh, you know, it doesn't require our weaknesses uh, per se. And uh, so uh, really through a SWOT analysis, we concluded that uh, Quantum workforce development is something that that we can do at Harrisburg and uh, something I can accomplish and actually contribute to in a shorter period of time without having an extensive background in physics or or deep mathematics, et cetera. And then secondly, after doing this SWOT analysis, uh, personally, I have a, a bias or a preference towards uh, the blue ocean strategy, which is another business school term, but that's essentially when you look at all the opportunities there are in a given landscape, uh, in a business landscape, uh, you go where the blue water is. In other words, where where other boats are already not fishing, if you want to think of it like that. And uh, uh, 20 months ago, there were actually very few uh, universities and people really focus in on workforce development specifically 
And uh, I also, in attending quantum conferences, it was the number three issue that came up time and time again for that first year of going to conferences that people were referring to. Even the, you know, the hardcore physics folks and the engineers, everyone was referring to the, the potential workforce uh, supply deficiency that may pop up, may come up over the, in the coming years. So it was really by looking at our strengths and weaknesses and, and uh, looking at where other universities and other people are not really focused. And uh, so here we are uh, focusing in on the workforce development in quantum computing. So how does education play a role? And what's the current landscape for learning at various stages in students' lives? Well, over the past year or so, the past 12 months, the, the industry and uh, both individuals as well as uh, the White House here in the United States has really started to shift attention to the high school students, the pre-college students. And uh, right now, there are a lot of people doing a lot of work in figuring out how to train uh, uh, pre-college students. At Harrisburg, we are, tomorrow is our last day of 10 weeks of quantum computing training. We call it the Quantum Computing Academy, uh, where we have an 11-year-old student uh, learning about quantum computing. So basically, the current landscape in education uh, is putting a lot of time, money, and attention towards training the pre-college student in the hopes of them developing the cognitive skills to look at problems uh, from the perspective of how a quantum computer could solve a problem uh, versus how a classical computer could solve a problem. Uh, another area that is rapidly developing when it comes to education is uh, a lot of attention is being put towards master's degrees. Uh, right now, that's one of my project underneath this workforce development umbrella that I focus on, I'm uh, accumulating all the information uh, on master degree level programs that have to do with the quantum technologies. Uh, and in that research I've been doing, uh, there, over the past two or three years, there have been uh, easily eight or nine new programs and looking forward over the next two or three years, you could easily see uh, maybe even upwards of 15 new master programs globally in uh, the quantum technologies. So, you know, the education is, is really important here. This is a very difficult subject. It's very difficult because it has many aspects to it. There's some phys physics components. There's certainly uh, a great deal of mathematics uh, and, and algorithmic thinking involved in it. Uh, so this is not something like classical computing where you could learn, you know, a, a motivated person could learn how to program in, in Python uh, in, in a few days, frankly. Quantum computing actually takes uh, a much longer time to uh, really get into the, the mode that you need to be into to, to uh, be able to write these algorithms. 
How are universities investing in quantum curriculums, and what are some of the challenges they face? Uh, universities are starting to uh, get on board. Harrisburg itself, we, we've completed all the administrative parts for our master's degree program in January of 2020. Uh, and there are many other universities coming online with master's programs in particular. Uh, the part of that is being catalyzed by uh, government investment, particularly in the United States, uh, where the government, uh, the National Science Foundation and the White House Office of Technology are putting dollars towards developing uh, master's programs as well as, as other programs at other levels. And there is increasingly more and more activity in Australia a, a, the first uh, quantum computing undergraduate degree was recently announced uh, a few months back. Some of the challenges that I see in, in my own experience of setting up both pre-college, undergraduate, uh, master's, as well as uh, PhD level programs and courses in quantum computing is that a lot of the administrators uh, really don't know much about quantum computing and have really no exposure to it. And so the biggest challenge I think that I have, as well as other professors, again, as I talk to them, is that the administrations, uh, the university administrations really don't get quantum computing uh, just yet. It, we, we, it's still, even, even the most optimistic uh, uh, people who who project, you know, when when we'll have a really useful quantum computer. Uh, you know, we're looking five, ten years out on a on an optimistic note. So the administrators see this this uh, this time horizon being a little bit further than they're they're accustomed to. When when you put a master's degree program together, for example, uh, the the provost or the provost or the president of a university will want to see students in seats almost immediately. And the, the market for uh, the number of students interested in quantum computing is, is still very small. Uh, so the, the challenge is, is to get the administration to have a long-term vision on quantum technology uh, courses and programs, in particular programs. Uh, so at Harrisburg, what I was able to do uh, was to really get the approvals because I was making the argument that uh, it, it takes several years to, to build up uh, quality courses, good curriculums, professors need to be uh, brought up to speed on how to teach this material, Etc. So it, it it could take five, eight years to get a really good program put together. So uh, the biggest challenge is this this lag time it it will take to to uh, get uh, students in seats when it comes to quantum programs. And uh, administrators, of course, you know they want students in seats tomorrow. As quantum is in its infancy, what advice can you offer to professors? who might be interested in rolling out a quantum program at their university? In my view, uh, the best advice or tip I could give to any professor or even a student for that matter, or perhaps a dean, 
uh, is really just do it. Just get started. Uh, don't don't expect an easy path uh, to getting a program set up. Even a course, uh, putting a course together uh, and getting it approved uh, could be a big ask. And so I personally, professionally, I have a bias towards action. And so my suggestion would be start the process, start doing it, start laying the groundwork in however you work uh, administratively, whatever your skills are, your sales capability, your salesman capability. Um, just start doing it and start you know, m moving the needle bit by bit, but don't expect it to be an easy path. And I think that would be true in practically any university. Uh, and learn from it and, uh, you know, don't take no for an answer. And that's pretty much what I'm trying to do here at Harrisburg. It's, it's actually quite difficult uh, to, to get your programs um, accepted by a lot of the administrators, again, because they, they really don't understand what quantum computing is. They don't get it. They don't see the potential in it. And if they do see the potential, they see it so far away. So my advice to anybody would just, you know, have a vision and just start working on it and don't get too disappointed when it, you start running into those roadblocks. The good news is there are a lot of other people doing just what you are. You're, you, you know, you're, you're not the only one with this idea and that's a good thing. So gradually what's happening is that resources are starting to come avail become available to you. Now, you know, those resources won't get you to convince your provost or your president to, or your board of trustees to, you know, allow you to set up a pro, an entire program, but there are uh, uh, assets becoming available. Allow me to give an example. Uh, I just started rolling out recently uh, a, a website called Quantum Master, uh, I'm sorry, masterdegree.triquantum.org. And this is a website where I put the data that I've collected on all the master programs globally uh, into one place. I list out the degrees, I list out the universities and uh, pointers to more information in these uh, uh, universities, the various programs out there. And so when you need to do your inevi inevitable com uh, competitive analysis, all of that work is, is done for you. Uh, and believe me, it takes several months to get this information, uh, but it will be maintained on a regular basis. So uh, when you need to get to the point and you need to do a competitive analysis, explain what the landscape is out there, in particular for master's degrees, there's one place to go with all that information. Uh, and so that's, that's one thing that be, could be helpful. The other is you have resources like IEEE, for example, uh, you know, is developing uh, quantum education uh, web pages and websites, et cetera. Uh, and in some of those sites inside uh, some of those pages, uh, there'll be material that you can utilize to, to help uh, develop your pitch or your business case for your program. Uh, IBM and Microsoft all have uh, syllabi out there as well as numerous other uh, professors from around the world. So 
the point I'm making is, well, it's it's not uh, entirely um, all all put in one place. There's a a a good amount of information accumulating, so that when you do start to go down the path of developing a program, uh, the data, the raw data, is available to you, and uh, that will save you a great deal of time uh, in an inevitable step, which is putting together your business case uh, for a program. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, all of these program leads uh, for these master's degree programs that I speak of, I've talked to each one of them individually, and they're all more than willing uh, to talk to others, you know, if they could be help of help in any way. Uh, it's not a problem to reach out to. Uh, these other program leads. There's been some confusion around quantum technology. How are the various components in the ecosystem being defined? Is there a common terminology being developed? When it comes to workforce development in the quantum ecosystem, I just recently started to roll out uh, some terminology or what I call skills readiness classifications. So what's, what's I've experienced in the past uh, year and a half of putting on events, learn, uh, both educational as well as just regular uh, research speakers, et cetera, in this COVID-19 environment. I've been putting together, oh, I must be up to 50 events right now. And what I found was that uh, in, when it comes to non-traditional education or informal education, uh, individuals fall into uh, anywhere from five or six categories. If I, and so I've developed a, a, uh, a naming uh, uh, classification system to help me uh, develop these events. And so uh, it's really a workforce skills readiness classification topology that I've created. So for example, uh, we put together some programs, some events, some speakers for what I call the quantum curious. And that's, that's the term I use for individuals who are just asking the very basic, the very first question that someone in the grassroots community would ask, and that is they're trying to answer, what is, what is this quantum computing? Uh, what is this? I, I don't know anything about it. Tell me more. And so I call them, we refer to them as the quantum curious. And then you, you, uh, there's another classification, which is a step up, if, you, if I can, uh, called the quantum explorer. And this is a person who, okay, I've, I'm, I think this, this quantum thing is kind of interesting, and I'd like to learn a bit more. I don't want to go all in with my time and energy, uh, but I do want to explore a bit more. And this is where the individual might be asking, you know, what is a ket? What is a bra, et cetera? Another, the next step after that is what I call the quantum climber. And this is where, this is the stage where the individual says, hey, I think this is great. I'm going to start climbing the mountain, if I, if I can refer to it that way. I'm going to start to do a deep dive into this quantum computing, and I want to start to get to know some of the details. I'd be asking a question, you know, what is a controlled Z 90-degree uh, rotation? How do I, you know, what, how do I, what, 
what is this gate, what is that gate, etc. And I call that the uh, quantum climber. So they they decided, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. The next uh, classification is what I call the quantum enabled, and these are the folks who basically uh, really understand the syntax. They can use the IBM Qiskit environment. They can use uh, uh, you know Microsoft Q Sharp among others. So they they're familiar with the syntax, uh, etc. Uh, how to work with the quantum computers. But they're asking the more difficult questions, the higher level questions of, you know, about Shor's algorithm, for example. Why is modular arithmetic used in Shor's algorithm? So they've gone beyond the, the basic syntax and, and uh, they're going into much higher, cognitively higher questions. Next is uh, the quantum ready stage. And this is where the individual has really, they understand how to write uh, computer circuits or quantum circuits. They understand, you know, what Shor's algorithm is and how it works. And now they start asking the question, okay, how do my circuits, how do I deal with, uh, you know, making my algorithms robust to the notorious error problem, the noise in quantum computers? And you know the final stage is what I call the quantum professional, and that's really someone who has really reached the top of the pyramid and is really focused on, okay, I've got all this knowledge, I've got this skill, how do I start to monetize it? So this is a a, a, a new typology that that I'm starting to socialize. It's going from the quantum curious, quantum explorer, quantum climber, to the quantum enabled, to quantum ready and finally the quantum professional. And the reason for this is so we can identify where an individual might be at a particular point in time and develop events, program, educations, et cetera, uh, for that particular individual. Because what is a big problem in the industry right now is you have a quantum curious individual, someone who wants to know what is quantum computing, attending a, a uh, uh, online event that is meant for the quantum enabled individual. And the quantum curious just gets blown away out of the complexity of it all. And we lose a potential advocate for quantum computing because they get they easily get frustrated because of the, the, the depth of uh, that sort of talk. So this is an example of some of the, some of the uh, terms and vocabulary we're starting to generate as we really develop, you know, the, the, processes and, and um, activities in the quantum workforce development area. So what resources are available for students or individuals wanting to learn more about quantum technologies? Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's really impressive. There are a lot of resources out there uh, that are available for free and some for a small fee. Uh, for individuals that want to learn about quantum. And it's not an easy path uh, because right now things are still very, uh, I guess, ad hoc or less organized than they need to be. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a smooth path yet. Uh, but, you know, if you want to climb the, the, uh, the mountain, if, if I may, uh, first of all, you know, there are lots of these free online events that I mentioned, 
And the go-to site there uh, is uh, the quantumapalooza.com website, which lists out uh, the events going on for free around the world having to do with quantum, quantum computing, and the other quantum technologies. In fact, there happen to be, on average, 3.6 events a day. So the first step I would say is I would highly encourage people to go to the quantumapalooza.com site, and when you have a free hour or two, find out what event is happening at your time. They, they're going on around the clock, uh, and uh, just sign up and participate in that event. The second thing would be, of course, YouTube has a lot of material out there. Again, it's not as organized as we'd like right now, but certainly take advantage of the YouTube videos out there. You also have uh, lots of learning materials from the large companies uh, like IBM, Microsoft, uh, uh, among others. Uh, so there's quite a bit of online material that uh, you can go to that includes uh, you know, things like Jupyter Notebooks and that sort of thing. Uh, get involved in a conference or two. Maybe set a goal of going physically. Hopefully after post-COVID, post you can physically go to a conference. But if not, in the meantime, just go to a virtual conference. Participate in that. IEEE, for example, has the Quantum Week Spend a few dollars to participate, sign up and participate in these conferences because a lot of the learning you'll, you'll get, I found, for me anyway, was talking to people in the hallway and in particular when you go to these conferences at the breakfast table uh, you know, at the conference. So you know, right now is an optimal time to be going to conferences like the IEEE Quantum Week uh, because your total costs are down. You don't have the travel expenses. So take advantage of that. I guess the, the overall answer to the question is that there are lots and lots of free or low-cost ways of learning about quantum computing. I think now is the time to engage and get involved in it and try to and start the journey of learning uh, what quantum computer, computing is and you know, how to participate in the ecosystem. It's a really exciting area to be, and it's one of those things that uh, is unlikely it's going to be a fad. This is something that will continue on for decades. So any, any bit of learning that you do today, be it uh, attending a Quantumapalooza event, uh, going to conferences like the IEEE Quantum Week, or just sitting down and, and working through uh, several books. Uh, now's the time to get involved. Uh, there are plenty of resources out there. What it really takes, though, if I can really make the final uh, point, is that this is a difficult mountain. This technology is a difficult mountain to climb. Uh, it takes a lot of persistence, uh, a lot of false turns, wrong turns, etc. But uh, it, it, it is very, very interesting, and as long as you are uh, the type of person who, who can work on a problem and persist, uh, it really provides a lot of satisfaction as you, you know, find your way through this. I've, I'm only a year and a half in. I've got several more years of, of hard work to do, but there are plenty of resources out there uh, for me uh, to learn from. Thank you for listening to our interview with Terrell Franz. 
Learn more about the IEEE Quantum Initiative by visiting our web portal at quantum.ieee.org.